listening to Look Up, I'm here. Um, I am so happy that I'm getting a lot of hits. Subscribers are listening to me. And it's giving me this feeling like, you know, what I've been through, my story, and my experiences and trials and tribulations does matter. It's interesting. It's relatable. It's something that people feel that, you know, as you listen to me, as you vibing with me, um, you're supporting my voice. Um, and I see the numbers, right? I see the promotions. I see my friends. I see people that know me, people who don't know me, sparking things up. And it's just, it's a grassroots moment, right? For me, I got to start from the bottom. And sadly to say, a lot of my trials and tribulations and my accomplishments and my achievements started from the bottom. And I'm humbled to say, you know, you got to start from the bottom to get to the top, but you're never going to catch me back down there again. I'll pull you up. But, you know, so this episode here is going to pick up. It's going to be a quick synapse just to get you guys going, just to get through season one. You know, I have a bunch of seasons, I have a bunch of episodes, I have relatable issues, things to talk about. But let's just stick to this, right? It's the experience. It comes from the continuation. It comes from the forbidden. It comes from you know, the transition. And and why I, I, I title these things, why do I title each episode this way? Because it was a pivotal moment in my life at that time when I was a young child, a young girl, a, a young woman, you know, a child, having a child, raising a child, being a child. And, you know, a lot of the reasons that, um, you know, some points I'm sad, I'm coming down about it or certain things, certain areas that I'm talking about, it may trigger me. And I'm sure that, you know, when you are reflecting and you're listening to me or you vibing with me, certain things that I say or I'm, I'm explaining and I experience, it may trigger you. But this is just where the growth happens, right? The triggers are not always have to be something negative. They don't always have to be reflective to be looking at a negative light. It's something for us all to embrace. And that's what I'm doing now in my adult life, in my age. I'm passing this knowledge of this wisdom that I've acquired on my own, right? I taught myself, you know, how to be this adult and how to handle this and how to roll around in it, get dirty and, and, and take from it. So... You know, we're gonna get to the experience and the experience is, you know, Sky, me, you know, going through domestic violence um, in every aspect of it. So as I finished school, as I crossed the stage, as I had the savior be there for me through thick and thin, I still loved this man. And I was conflicted because I didn't know what domestic violence was, right? And I know that now, and as I went to school and educated myself and 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 obtained the proper tools of understanding what domestic violence, but I've experienced domestic violence verbally, physically, emotionally, financially, um, and just the abuse of it, um, the neglect of it. And all of that comes from the notion um, of a partner and that domestic because of the domesticated aspect of it, but not realizing that I've experienced the neglect, the, the, the need of being nurtured, the need of being heard, the need of growing from my home. So to me, certain aspects of domestic violence, and I'm using air quotes, didn't really affect, affect me so much because I numbed it of the of my past experiences. So in the experience, you know, Sky post-pregnancy was going through it, you know, and everything shifted. Everything changed as soon as I had that baby. 
things were not the same between this man and I've been holding on for dear life, holding on. You know, post-pregnancy, you know, poverty smacked me in my face a few times and I didn't understand where these blows were coming from. All I needed to know is how I'm gonna make sure that I got the Similac for the baby and how I'm gonna make sure that I get these pampers for my child, how I'm gonna hustle, how I'm gonna get a job. You know, who's gonna help take care of the baby if I get a job? And back in the, you know, late 90s, you needed a job. Like, now I got the high school diploma, what you about to do? Because, you know, you're not getting no support from the father and the little chump changer he was hustling and getting because the game shifted late 90s. And I don't understand the game, right? I was told to do certain things and I did them based on the trust that the person I was with, the forbidden, was gonna make sure that I'm taken care of. Um, so, you know, at 18 years old with a, with a baby, you know, graduating high school, and that was like the first and only achievement that I've made, given the fact of everything that happened during the forbidden stages, during the fact that happened due to transition, you know, he was my first boyfriend. He was my first love. It was my first on everything. It was my first from, you know, even being a parent. It was my first living from home. So all of these first being a child, it just kind of like psychologically affected me. So in a way, I kind of abused myself because I had to figure out and all the pressure that I was placing on myself at that age without even having the proper answers that being at a little girl to this age, I was fucking lost. Um, so, you know, so I held them on this expectation and I'm saying the forbidden as what my dad would have done with me, because at that time I could only reflect that my dad was the bread keeper, you know, the breadwinner, the, the, the maintainer. My mom stayed home and took care of the kids and the forbidden didn't do that. So that was a culture shock for me too. You know, all appointments, the forbidden wasn't there. But I remember my dad being at my doctor's appointments and my school events and stuff like that. So that was like a shock to me. Like, does this guy want to be a father? Does this guy know how to be a father? I'm asking these questions now, but then I didn't know because I was holding on to dear life because I needed him. He was, I depended on him. I was codependent on this man. Every man, anything that he's done, regardless of what the pain it was inflicted and what I had to hold on to, I needed this man. I have this child by this man and I can't let this little girl grow up without her dad. And so all means necessary, I gotta take it as a trooper. And I just took it day by day by him. So, you know, I got, I get my first job. I find it as a wait, like a waitress back in the city in Manhattan. And you know, my savior would babysit. The neighbors would babysit. And I'm in the hood now, you know, I'm, I'm bouncing from house to house. Her father, you know, he would look out here and there, depends on, you know, his routines. But it was just like all man for his own, you know. The financial abuse started kicking in because his money was low. Now my money's coming up and my money was minimal money. I'm getting food stamps. I'm getting a couple of dollars from public assistance, a little waitress job that I was getting. You know, it was always give me, give me, give me, but I would never have anything. So. I'm not used to at that point of being dated or courted or, you know, um, given things or done things. So my first experience with a man, I've never, what I see on TV, or what I hear from friends and coworkers and classmates and people just around in my environment at that time, it, it wasn't, it didn't make sense to me because I wasn't exposed to it. So like, I'm looking at the baby 
And I'm like, I don't know what to do with you. She's looking at me like, I don't know what to do with you either. You know, I'm looking at the dad. I'm like, yo, yo, what are we supposed to do with this? And he's like, I don't know. You got to deal with you got to deal with. And it's so it's just like, yo, yo, I don't know. And, you know, to this day, I hate that word. I don't know. Because at that time, I had to figure out what to do and how to handle it. So it kind of like trickled into my personal life and my, and, my, and my adulthood where it's like, what you mean you don't know? Shit, get the fuck out of here. What do you mean you don't know? You better figure it out. You better handle your business. You got to have a plan C for the plan B and the B for the A. And that's how I was psychologically connected. That's how I was psychologically, emotionally, and um, verbally, financially, Re, like kind of like re-abusing myself where I take that from that domestic violence like that you know the 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 the, the core of it and I know you, you might think that I'm crazy saying this to you but it was kind of like I was kind of like taking those abuses with me and adding it as ammunition for me for me to figure out what I had to do so when I was being verbally abused I would just have to ignore it when I was being physically abused I just had to put the sunglasses on and keep it moving you know put Vicks or ice pack on it and keep it moving when I was emotionally beaten down I had to just suck it up and say you know what saying this is temporary I'm not gonna go through this anymore when I was fine when my money was taken from me and I I was financially strapped. I had to figure out like how many hours I'm going to add more to work or how I'm going to, you know, hide my money or how I'm going to manipulate this and how I'm going to stretch it. So it was like every time I was catched on by something, either the forbidden inflicted by the forbidden or if it wasn't inflicted by the forbidden, it was like I was taking what he was doing to me back on me for me to figure out a way or solution so that I could counteract that. So the experience was was psychologically crazy. As I'm reiterating this to you, as I'm talking into this podcast, I'm getting emotional right now. So I'm just like, yo, how the fuck did I get through this? Because I probably today would not have to go through that. I know for a fact I would not even allow that. I would smell it a mile away and be like, get get that shit out of my face. Get it out of here. Because I can't fathom the fact that I, at that age, went through that. And so when I say resilient, it's psychological resilience. It's emotional. It's financial. It's 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 verbal. It's physical. You know, all of that come to play. And so I got this baby now. You know, my friends from high school are helping me. You know, and to this day, we still we breaking breakthroughs with, with each other, Brent, Brent benchmarks with each other. And it's like... You know, they were there, they were helping me, holding a baby down. I'm running from school. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, not school. I'm running from this waitress job. I'm running to the house, you know. And then I'm getting these these psychological downtimes where I don't have my mom. I don't have my dad. I don't have my siblings. I started missing my mother. I started missing my sisters. I started missing my dad. I started saying to myself, like, what the fuck did I just do to myself? How the fuck did I, how do I get the fuck out of this situation? And, you know, in this experience, it was just like, how and how the fuck can I fix it? Damn, what the fuck is going on? Let me figure out a resolution. So, you know, a lot I gotta, I gotta give, I'm humbled to and I gotta give props to is that when the savior was there for me for the, the money that she was putting in my pocket when I was short, the food, the babysitting, the experience was rough because I loved the man so much that he couldn't be my savior. His mother was my savior. And and at that age, 18, 19, how the fuck can you determine who the savior is? And I had to technically just fall on the fact that I got to trust somebody with my life. And so the savior, you know, she did. She looked out for me. She took care of me. 
hard and supported me. Got my first real gig then in the hospital um, through the high school because I graduated and I'm like, I need a job, I need a job, I need a job. And she's like, I bet, you know what, let me see. She calls a couple of contacts. I get this job at the hospital. Now I'm meeting adults. I'm meeting 20-year-olds. I'm meeting adults that that already have kids and in relationships, and some of them are married. And I'm turning around. I'm coming back to the house, and I'm looking at everybody, and I'm like, yo, this is not what's for me. So now the environment that I'm in is teaching me, is giving me certain experiences. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with nurses and doctors. I'm working in a hospital. I'm learning customer service. I'm learning how to deal with patients and how to speak to people. And my vocabulary shifts, my thought process shifts. And, you know, people are asking me, are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to college? And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Do you know what the fuck I got to go home to? Do you understand? Like, you lucky I'm here every day, Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. Um, I had to rush home and get my baby. I had to deal with this with this knucklehead of the forbidden. I, I, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I don't even know if I'm going to be eating tomorrow. Um, and in the experience, when I say to you, like, it was dramatic for me. Um, it, every day I was on fight or flight. Every day I was on survival mode. I didn't know anything about myself. I didn't know nothing about makeup. I didn't know nothing about getting fly. I didn't know nothing about nothing. I just did not want to wake up hungry, thrown down the street, thrown down the stairs, living in a homeless shelter. All I kept thinking about is I got this baby on my shoulder and how the hell I'm going to make sure that everything's okay. Um, and then... During the course of this relationship with the forbidden, you know, the cheating. I didn't know what the fuck cheating was. You know, the lies. I didn't know what the fuck that shit was. I, I was so numb and so confused and so suppressed because I didn't get a moment to breathe, a moment to understand, or a moment to learn that couldn't blame anybody and I and I and I constantly beat myself about it because if I had not came back from Yemen would this had happened to me if I had not given up my family you know and not rebel and fight so hard to be heard or fight so hard to basically get my answers and my questions asked at a young age would I be in this situation um and 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 those thoughts were running to my mind like damn man I wish I would listen to my dad I wish I just got married I wish I stayed in Yemen like I really thought at that point my life was over and I played myself and I'm the dummy here. But every time I would meet up with my my, my, my homegirls and, you know, they were there with me. They were like, don't worry about it. This is temporary. This is temporary. And so today when I'm sitting in the podium and I'm talking to, you know, women that are dealing with certain things and I'm standing there high and strong with my head up high, I'm actually telling you like, yeah, this is temporary. This ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna stay long. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's gonna get better. Um, and so in the experience, which picks up, you know, and then and it kind of like bringing this connection, I was challenged. I was challenged to, the, to, to my core. I was challenged. I was upset. I was hurt. I had emotions on emotions and it was no outlet. But the only lifeline I had was the forbidden savior. So it was these two people that I needed and I depended on. And so my experience was after I finished high school with a little girl, how the fuck I'm gonna survive? 
given the fact that I was dealing with all these trials that I wasn't prepared for. You know, it was no guidance in that area. You know, even the savior was just like, shit, what the fuck? You know, and all I knew how to was be on survivor mode. And so therefore I was numb. And, you know, can I say that I'm proud about that now? Shit, I wouldn't be here. Um, was I, you know, in a in a situation where I thought that I would never be at this place? Yeah, back then I didn't think that I was gonna survive it or I was gonna get through it or it was gonna be a breakthrough for me, you know? And what I'm just saying, like, to, to my audience, you know, episode seven was an experience and the experiences are listed, you know? And it was a point in my life where I had to be an adult without the proper tools on being an adult and being a mother. And it was the craziest thing ever because it took me about a good nine to 10 months of my child looking at her every day and not emotionally embracing her because I didn't know what to do with her. Um, because everything that was attached to her had conflict and challenges. So I don't know at that point, maybe I was suffering from postpartum, but I, I just had to deal what I had to deal with and not let it out on her. And just watching my child not have toys and the only thing that she was able to be given from was from the savior, it bothered me because I was like, I'm bringing this child to this world and I can't even, you know, take care of this baby. And, and at that point I was like, the baby, the baby. And, you know, in the experience, I'm talking about the experience, if you could just sit back and think about it at 18, 19 years old, in the late 90s, having a child and experiencing all of these trials and tribulations, I don't think there's a manual out there or, or a cheat sheet to say, how would you survive it? Because today there's resources and, and guidance counselors and social work programs and all of these great opportunities. And I just wish then was, you know, now was then and, and then was now, you know, but Sky had to get through it. I got through it and I succeeded and I'm, was the person who took on the experience. I faced it. I didn't run from it. I wasn't afraid of it. And I challenged it and I took the blows for it in every aspect that you can think of. And I rose up and I, and I succeeded. And so like, as I'm talking about it in my podcast, and I know you guys probably like, yo, she's not as fluid in this one, but the experience really, really, really triggered me. And that's where I wanted like, you know, to let my audience know, like, this is some true shit. This true story, real life, raw. It's, it's, it's something that I can like get more in detail as I, you know, I'm deciding to write my book, you know, um, and it's going to be more in detail. And this audio podcast is just an outlet to say, you know, we're in a time right now in 2020 where, you know, all lives matter, black lives matter, you know, women lives matter, men lives matter, children lives matter, you know, poor people lives matter, rich people lives matter, like we all matter. And my voice matters, you know, where I stand matters and how I think matters and what I feel matters. And, you know, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to use this platform to be positive and to reach out to the unheard 
Um, so I'm gonna sign out on this. This is episode seven. It's called The Experience. I just wanna just make sure that we you know, we don't get a little, you know, ADD moment where we kind of like sign off being that this podcast is a little longer. But I just wanna say thank you for listening. This is Look Up, I'm here. I'm your host, Sky. Thank you so much for listening. And episode eight is gonna be a little bit more, you know, to the point of what happened during, you know, raising the child and how I dealt with it. Peace out. <laughs>